Hey church family, I'm here to show you guys today how you can share our church content on social media platforms. The first is Facebook. All you gotta do is go and find the post you'd like to share. You hit the share button, 
There's a little spot you can say something about the post or you can just post it and all you have to do is hit the post button. The next is Instagram, which is my personal favorite. All you have to do is go to the post and there's a little paper airplane button below and you hit add this post to your story. And the last one I have is Twitter. All you have to do is go to the tweet, hit the little arrows and press the retweet button and it's that easy. Every time you share, it reaches a whole nother group of people that our page wouldn't reach on its own. And this is just another way you can spread the gospel at your fingertips every day. and I'm here with our front of house sound engineer, Larry. And we have some volunteer opportunities that we would love to tell you about. Yes, what we're looking for is some people with some technical ability that also have an ear for both sound and music. If that's you, you can go out to the Welcome Center, get an application, fill it out, and turn that in, and then we can get back with you. Absolutely, so just fill out the application. If you want to be a part of our team, there's many places that you can serve, and it ranges from beginner to expert. So please just fill out application. We'd love to contact you and be a part of the worship team. Amen. Amen. There's lots of areas of volunteer. We want to appreciate all your time and efforts and when you do help us out because you're making a difference in so many people's lives. And hey, we want to welcome everybody tonight to Only Believe. Trust you're here and expecting God to do great things in your life. We also want to welcome our, our live stream audience, those watching via social media. Thank you for joining in tonight. I believe tonight's going to be a different a night that's going to really have a great impact on your life. We just want to say thank you for being here. If you are here for the very first time, uh, we have a uh, visitor's card we'd like to have you fill out, first-time guest. If you are here for the first time, if you would, there's uh, these cards in front of you. If you would take just a few moments, fill it out, bring it out to the Welcome Center. We would like to keep you posted on what's going on at your church and how you could be activated and use your faith for kingdom purpose. So we just want to say thank you for taking time to fill it out, drop it off the Welcome Center. Thank you so much for doing that. I also want to bring a couple things to your attention. Uh, we're going to be uh, continuing to pray uh, here in the main sanctuary, Monday through Thursday from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. So if you've got a little time for lunchtime or before you go to work, whatever it might be, uh, the church doors are open starting at 6 a.m. Again, Monday through Thursday. Uh, the staffs actually take a day each week to fast as well. But we're praying for great things to happen. Uh, Pastor Cowan, as you know, is in our Urbana campus. God's using him mightily. Very excited about what we're seeing happen there. Uh, on Sunday night, we got a chance to go to Pastor Philip at Regina's Church there in Kenton. I'm not sure if anyone here were there. I think I see some faces that were. That church is always packed out. We just built the building, and the building's almost already too small. But we're happy to see that. We're so thrilled uh, for, for both, both pastors, Philip and Regina, for that. Um, also be praying for our church here, our pastors and leadership. We've got lots of things going through our hearts and spirits about what we can do to make a difference and touch people's lives for God's glory. We're also praying for Pastor Rick to find a, a building in Dayton. So uh, those are just some quick prayer requests, uh, but we're praying for you as well every single day because we love you and we care about you, and we know God's going to use you again um, for kingdom purpose. Also, I want to announce uh, some exciting things that's taking place starting September 2nd. We're going to be starting some small groups on Wednesday nights. And we have, some, we have four classes already ready to go. Um, we have classes, titles like Finding Your Identity in Christ, Knowing Who You Are, and How You Can Make a Difference, How You Can Discover Your Purpose. Um, we also have a class called Living a Life of Purity. 
that helps parents understand some of the challenges moms and dads are going through with children and social media and web. It helps you understand what to do and keep people safe. We're also having a, a marriage small group and then the art of parenting. I know we got lots of parents in here, and that would be a great class for, to, uh, to participate in. Now, there's going to be a limit of about 20 people per small group, so we encourage you tonight. We have uh, sheets out at the Welcome Center. Please sign up if one of those four classes interests you. Uh, once we get to about 20, we're going to try to close it down. So if you'd like to be a part of it, please make sure you go out there tonight and get signed up, okay? Well, we're glad you're here tonight. we got great things in store. God's going to touch you. And let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Let's worship the Lord tonight. Amen?
service where we do our tithe and offering. Uh, if y'all need a tithing or offering envelope, obviously there's some right in front of you. Well, except for the front row. <laughs> front row. If you need one, raise your hands. Somebody will come by and help you out. But right in the back there, you have your tithing and offering envelopes and other envelopes if you need them. Awesome. Well, I was thinking about this uh, today as I was driving. Lord, what in the world am I supposed to say to these people? They hear about giving all the time, right? A lot of churches don't talk about it at all. 
But so as I was thinking about people and, and their needs, most people or a lot of people every week, when they get a paycheck, they have to decide what bills they're going to pay. I remember those times. I don't know. I don't do any of it now. I'm sure Nicole still maybe does that sometime. I don't know. You know I mean, whether or not this bill's going to get paid. Uh, man, this one's late. I got to pay this one. Um, child support. Nah, I ain't paying that. That ain't important. <laughs> oh, man, you know what? I can only pay half of this one. Oh, this one's going to be on time. I'll pay this one. You know, and that's just life, right? Amen. But you know, as Christians that believe the Bible, that believe the promises that are in the Bible, that believe everything the Bible says is true, we shouldn't ever have to decide if we're going to give our tithe or not. It, 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 now, it, it's one thing to decide whether or not we're going to pay a bill. But if you, every time you get a paycheck, you have to decide whether or not that you're going to pay your tithe and give to God, that tells me something. That tells me that you have not settled in your heart who owns it all. You've not settled in your heart that God has given you this job. He owns everything. Remember, the Bible says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And he was humble in the fact that he didn't say, and I own the hills. Because he could have said that in there, but he didn't. He owns it all. I think of it like this, and here's a great example to bring it to the 21st century. When you're going out in public, you're wearing clothes. You're going to put on clothes when you go out in public. Now, according to some of the Walmart videos, some of those clothes are a little weird and sketchy. <laughs> but we're putting clothes on. When you go to work, you don't have to decide whether or not you're going to put clothes on to go to work. It's a settled issue. I'm wearing clothes when I go out in public and I go to work. And when it comes to our tithing, it needs to be that settled issue, just like that. And we are not, as Christians, going to decide whether or not we're going to give our tithe. Because we know that when we give, God does fulfill his promises. He will do what he said he will do. He will, by faith, we believe he will give it back to us. By faith, men will come and bless us. Amen? By faith, we know that, and we stand on that. It's a settled issue. So whenever we get that miracle money, whether it's twice a month or once a week or whatever, it's a settled issue. We are going to give God his portion first. And why do I call that miracle money? Because it's a miracle you're getting it. It's a miracle you still got some. And it's a miracle that God's going to get his part. <laughs> That's why I call it miracle money. But it won't be miracle money if you'll settle it in your heart that I'm going to give his portion first. The miracle will be what he does for you. How he blesses you. How he gives back to you more than you gave to him. That will be the miracle. It's a settled issue. Say, it's a settled issue. 
Amen. Everybody stand up and let's pray over our tithes and offerings today. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you tonight for that simple little word. But God, it's a settled issue with us. We know you own it all. We know you give it all. And God, we thank you that when we obey, when we are obedient, obedient to your word, you will bless, you will give back, you will provide, you will prosper, you are prospering, you are giving back, you are providing even now throughout this place, throughout this congregation, those that are online listening, God, as we obey, you are doing and moving even in realms that we do not see because by faith, we know you are a God of your word. We thank you for doing what you said. We thank you for the testimonies that come out of our faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Hallelujah. Good, good evening, everybody. It's an honor to be out here with you guys again. I've got some good news. The high schoolers are going to be joining us here in a little bit. They're just finishing up worship back in 24-7, and then they're going to pop out here too. So uh, when they come in, if you want to wave at them and make them feel welcome, that would be fine. Even if it's the middle of the message, I won't care. We want them to know we love them. So tonight, I want to talk with you guys uh, a little bit about something that Jesus uh, he actually addresses this a lot. And in, and in fact, about two months ago, two and a half months ago, uh, when I was reading my Bible, doing my study time, it was like the Holy Spirit just opened my eyes and I was able to see how consistently Jesus actually addresses this, this one issue that I want to talk to you guys about tonight. And so I want you to know that it's important. But before we get into it, we need to pray that God would help us to receive what he has for us tonight. So if you would bow your heads with me, close your eyes, let's pray. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus, and I ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to help us have eyes to see your truth, ears to hear your truth, and hearts to receive it tonight, Father. I pray that we would be good soil, and that when the seed is sown, it would produce a harvest, 30, 60, and 100 fold in our lives. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, so I want you to understand something. Jesus is a bit unpredictable, which can seem like a weird thing to say since God never changes. But Jesus is absolutely unpredictable, and as you read through the Gospels, you're going to see that he does a lot of stuff that makes people go, what? Why, why, did, you, why did you do that? Jesus sometimes will shock us and how he responds, and how he treats people versus the way that we do. And one of the things that I noticed was that in the Gospel of Mark, specifically, if you just, just do a quick read of that. Like, if you're anybody a speed reader, you guys, nobody, nobody speed reads here. That's, I saw that one hand. Thank you for that back there in the corner. God bless you. Uh, if you just do a quick read-through of Mark's Gospel, you're going to see Jesus talk about this concept of self-righteousness over and over and over again, and not in a good way. Because 
by all means, it is a good thing to practice righteousness. That is a good thing. But there's this thing about self-righteousness where it becomes a pride issue, and it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. And what I want to show you is a couple of different times where Jesus addresses this. But to do so properly, we have to start in Mark chapter 2, verse 13. If you have your Bible, if you would open it to Mark chapter 2, verse 13. We're going to start off with one of these unpredictable moments of Jesus. In Mark 2, verse 13, we discover this story. It says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. And a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw, the son, saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. I love this, because up to this point, we have no record that Jesus spent any time with Levi. He's just walking by the tax collector's booth. And we all know this, but I'm going to remind you just in case you don't. Tax collectors were not liked. They were the outcasts, they were the rejects, they were the traitors in Israel. Nobody liked them. And here comes Jesus on the scene, and he's teaching people the word of God. At this point in Mark's gospel, the Bible says that people are left astonished because Jesus isn't teaching like the Pharisees do. He's teaching as one who has authority. Jesus has been performing miracles in Mark's gospel up to this point that it says that people are coming from all over to come see Jesus. So we know they love the word he's given. We love they know the the miracles he's given, Jesus' name is getting out there as a religious leader. And he shows up and he's walking by a tax collector's booth and he sees Levi and he goes, hey, come follow me. And for some reason, Levi does it. Like he just gives up and like, I'm going to follow Jesus. Maybe he'd heard of the miracles. Maybe he'd heard murmurings of this new guy teaching with authority. We don't really know. We just know that he followed him. Verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, this progressed very quickly in Levi's life. We go from follow me to we're having a party at your house real quick. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, right out of the gate, Jesus is a little unpredictable because to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the tax collectors and the sinners, they're unclean. They can't be around these people. They have to be sanctified and set apart because they're holy. So we can't be around these people. And here comes Jesus teaching the word of God with authority, healing people left and right, so much so that he can't go anywhere without massive crowds following him. And all of a sudden he goes to this Levi's house and he invites a bunch of sinners and tax collectors and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were the religious, they think of them as the pastors and worship leaders of the day. They hear about this and they go up to Jesus' disciples and they're like, hey, that's not what's supposed to happen. Why, why is he doing this? This doesn't seem right. Verse 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was often found with the sinners. So much so that he was accused of being one himself. 
And so these Pharisees, these religious leaders, we got to grab a hold of this. These religious leaders who think that they're following God's will and plan and purpose for their life. These religious leaders show up and they see Jesus with a bunch of unclean people and they question him, why are you doing this? And Jesus' response is so brilliantly simple. The healthy people don't need a doctor. The sick ones do. So I'm going to be with the sick people. Here's one thing I want to share with you. This is kind of the main point. If you get nothing else from tonight, if you walked away with this, you'd be doing really well. Jesus is brilliant. He is absolutely the greatest expert on any field of study or life in all of creation and all of the world. There's absolutely no topic that you can think of that Jesus isn't the most brilliant person when it comes to knowledge, experience, know-how, all of that. Jesus, can we just agree on that? Jesus is brilliant. Okay, so when Jesus teaches us about life, we can trust him. When Jesus says, you need to pause and look at your life, let me tell you, let me point something out to you, then we can trust him. And we can go, Jesus is brilliant. And Jesus knows what he's talking about. And even when it's a little uncomfortable for me to have to say, I didn't think I was going to have to be with sinners and tax collectors. But when we see in Jesus that that's exactly who we're supposed to go to, then we can go, we can trust this. Jesus is doing a good thing. Jesus is leading us to a good place. We are rescuers. We are rescuers. And we can't rescue people when we're not with them, right? So Jesus gives us a very simple understanding right here. It's not the healthy, it's the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinner to repentance. The righteous already have their righteousness. So Jesus is brilliant. We need to trust him. And I'm paraphrasing that a little bit from Dallas Willard, the whole Jesus is brilliant thing. So what does this mean for us? When Jesus says something, we should pay attention. Rather, it should be a challenge for us to stop and say, how should this impact or affect my life? And, and we really, I mean, we got to listen because Jesus says, he says a phrase like this all the time. Very, very truly, I say to you. He repeats himself because he wants us to get the urgency of it. Very truly, I say to you, is what Jesus would say. So we have to stop and make sure that we're listening to this. In our opening scripture, Jesus is very early on in his ministry, and he's already distinguishing himself from the other religious leaders of the day. And this is also something he'll continue to do throughout his whole ministry. He goes after the lost, the broken, the hurting, the dirty, the traitors, the outcasts. He goes after the unclean sinners and the brokenhearted, the filthy and rejected. The Pharisees avoided such people. They separated themselves from these types of people. So point number one, Jesus is brilliant. He's absolutely the greatest expert in everything that has to do with life and science and knowledge. He's brilliant. Point number two that Jesus is about to reveal to us is this. That our confidence in our own self-righteousness actually builds a barrier between us and the very people he's called us to reach. I'm going to say it again. Confidence in your own self-righteousness actually builds a barrier between you and the person you're supposed to be reaching for Jesus. And it works the same for me. And it's very subtle. And we're going to read what Jesus says, but I want to show you how subtle this is because I'm a pastor in this church, and I just want to be transparent with you. 
I was driving through Sydney the other day. I just moved out of Sydney into Walpock. We're in the country now, and my allergies know it, and it's been a good thing. But I was just driving through Sydney, and we drove through one part that I hadn't really been around uh, very much just because it was on the other side of town, but we drove through there, and there's some really, like, low-income, just broken down, you know what I'm talking about, just houses, just, it just was bad. And as I'm driving by it, I look over, and here was the first thought that came to my mind. If those people just would, you know, be a little better with their money, they could probably live different. And the Holy Spirit gripped my heart and he said, you know, that's where Jesus would actually be found. Right there on that front porch. And you drove by just thinking, if they were just a little smarter, it's so subtle. This this self-righteousness is so subtle in our lives. And Jesus warns us over and over again about it. Would you turn in your Bible to Luke 19? I'm going to show you a story that Jesus gives us. In Luke 19... That is the wrong scripture. I hate when I do that to myself. (laughs) Golly, Bob. I got it. It's Luke 18. It's fine. We're all going to get through this. Luke 18, verse 9. Now remember, Jesus is brilliant. We got to trust what he says. Luke 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now we need to stop because here's one issue that I have and maybe you'll relate to this, is I'll hear a phrase like that and I'll immediately go, he's talking about Pastor Randy. I'll read that and I'll go, he's talking about Shane. By the way, can we give Shane, this is the first time Shane's been here when I've preached. He, he intentionally tries to avoid me, but we're excited Shane's here tonight. I'm just loving on him a little bit. I love Shane. When we hear something, oftentimes in my brain, the first thing that happens is I'll think of everyone else that Jesus is actually talking to without thinking that he means me. We got to stop because Jesus always means us before he means anyone else. And if we'd start there, we would, we'd get so much further along with Jesus than we are right now. So to some, and I'm just going to replace that with, to me, when I'm confident of my own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus is telling me this parable. That two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I told you they weren't liked. I fast twice a week. Look how holy I am. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Justified means this, to be declared or made righteous 
in the sight of God. And in this parable, now remember, this is a parable. This, Jesus is teaching us something here. And he's saying, whenever you start to feel confident about your own righteousness, that maybe you've done something for yourself in relation to your relationship with God, because we are saved by grace through faith alone. It is the grace of God that we're saved. It's not anything that we do so that we can't boast. But for some reason, we struggle with this sometimes, which is why Jesus is teaching us. He doesn't want us to walk in ignorance. He loves us. And so Jesus gives this parable. And on one side, we have a Pharisee. We have a religious leader who's praying this. God, I'm not like them and I'm grateful. This was me driving past the low-income housing going, God, I'm not like them. I'm glad that I'm wise with my money. And it looks like they don't ever work. And I work and I'm grateful that I'm not like that so you can bless me. The Pharisee's throwing everyone else under the bus. Also note that he doesn't go for the, the, high, the high fruit in the tree. He goes for the low-hanging stuff. They're liars and robbers and adulterers. Like, what's the worst sin you can think of? That's what, that's what this Pharisee's doing. I'm not like that. Because when he goes to the extreme of what you would think are the worst sins, it's really easy to separate yourself. But when you get into the nitty-gritty of what Jesus calls us to, like love your neighbor like yourself, you realize we're not really that far off from them, right? So the Pharisee, he distances himself out of his own self-esteem and his confidence and his pride. But notice that the tax collector distances himself too, but for the exact other reason. In his humility, he doesn't even feel equal to be near the Pharisee, and so he stands off by himself and won't even look to heaven, but beats his breast and says, God, just have mercy on me. All I need is your mercy. And Jesus says, let me tell you a secret. This man who just relied on the mercy of God, he went home in right standing. Where the Pharisee who was confident in his own self-righteousness, he didn't go home justified. The only thing he accomplished was putting a massive barrier between him and the person that actually needed him to help him find God. You see, self-righteousness is super, super sneaky in our lives. And it creeps up in the most subtle of ways, which is why Jesus, who is brilliant, gives us this parable as a warning to stop and say, where am I being the Pharisee? Who are the people that I'm throwing under the bus instead of reaching out to? See, Jesus revealed the heart of God. Jesus revealed what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law should have been doing. Instead of distancing themselves from the sinner, they should have been going very near the sinner because that's what God does. God came from heaven to get into the mess of this life with us so that he could show us the way, not so that he could come and stand on a platform and say, you're all missing the boat. Jesus gives us another teaching to kind of drive this point home. And I'm really fingers crossed here, hoping I wrote down the right reference. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. So again, point number one, Jesus is absolutely brilliant. There's no one greater, there's no greater expert than Jesus in every possible thing you could ever think of. Point number two is that our confidence in our own self-righteousness builds a barrier between us and the very people Jesus came to reach. And it separates us from God's righteousness in our own life. Point number three that I want to get across to you guys is this, is if we focus on our need for Jesus, 
It keeps us from becoming prideful and keeps us in a position to fulfill God's purpose for our life. Let me say it again personally because I like it this way better. When I focus on my need for Jesus, that keeps me from getting prideful and it keeps me in a position to fulfill God's purpose for my life. And Jesus is going to show us how. In Matthew 7, starting in verse 1, it says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. That's strong language from Jesus. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I want to show you this in a very practical way because Jesus uses some pretty vivid imagery here. And so, uh, Shane, I am going to have you come on up here with me, brother. Don't worry about this big piece of two by four. It's not going to hurt. You would not believe how many people saw me with this and were like, are you actually going to hit somebody with that? Yes. And it's good. It's going to be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Jesus uses a really simple vivid example for us to understand how self-righteousness puts a barrier between us and the people we're supposed to reach. And it looks like this. Hey, Shane, you need Jesus because I can see. I can't see you, so if I'm getting close, you got to duck. There's a speck of dust in your eye, man. I got to, let me show you how Jesus can. I'm not, Jesus made this illustration. I didn't make this up. This is what Jesus said we look like. In our self-righteousness, trying to go and point out everyone else's flaws, this is what we look like. Hey, man, let me help you. Now, I want to point out something about this. Better do this side because the mic's on that side. Here, swap sides because I can see the people out of my left eye. I look pretty obnoxious trying to point out his flaw when this is what I look like. Here's the miracle in what Jesus said. We're oblivious to this. But nobody else is. That's good. Yeah. That's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have never been aware of my own failure, and I'm just walking around in public, just, just whacking everybody I walk past, because I'm oblivious to the plank in my own eye. But Jesus says that's what I should focus on. And he told us that because he knew we'd be oblivious to it, and if he didn't point it out. And it'd be, it's just... It's just awkward if we're, I'm going to just, I want to drive this home because Jesus, he's clever and he's brilliant. And he wanted us to get this. I'm just walking around church. Hey, how you doing, brother? And I'm walking around thinking, man, David, you've worn that shirt 50 billion times, man. I'm going to buy you a new shirt. Pastor Phil, I love you, but you're a little short, you know. Bob, I remember that one time you didn't come fix my, my appliance. Shane, I remember all the time. But I do this. I do it. I walk into church sometimes. I'm just being real with you. I walk into church sometimes and I see somebody new and I go like this. That guy's got a neck tattoo. He could probably beat me up. I ain't going nowhere near that guy. I'm just, I don't want to feel insecure. You know what I'm saying? I'm out of here. Or I see somebody else come in and I know, listen, we all know that person. Don't point them out or anything, please. That one person that just talks way too much. And you, you turn the corner in the, in the hallway and you're like, oh, there they are. Let's go back this way. Don't want nothing to do with that. Or the hugger, and you're not a hugger, 
and you see them coming, and you like pull your phone out real quick, you're like, let me check my whatever. Somebody call me, is this, no, nobody's on the phone, but I just don't want to hug right now. Let's get a little more real, we'll see somebody come in wearing sweatpants and a tattered t-shirt. And our first thought instead of, I'm so glad they're in the house of God where they can meet Jesus. Our first thoughts actually, why would they come to church that way? Or they, or they come in, this used to be a thing back in the day, it's not so much anymore. And, and I get like, I get honor and stuff. I don't want anyone to hear this and think that I'm not, uh, I get honor. But wearing hats in church used to be super taboo. And it was like one of those things you'd just be like, I know because I wore a hat to church a couple times and was told, so I'm speaking from experience. And, and hear me, I get honor. But that person coming in, you don't know their story and you don't know where they came from. And God forbid that that be the thing that we cause them to turn away from Christ from. That's when we've got the plank and we're just walking around whacking everybody as we go, oblivious to how obnoxious we look, but nobody else is. If we're going to be the church that sees lost people get found, we have to be the church that says we're going to lay down our own self-righteousness and we're going to acknowledge that everything we have is because of Jesus. Everything that I am is because of Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing is that Jesus said when we humble ourselves, God exalts us. And when God exalts us, he gives us influence. And when we get influence, we can start reaching people for Jesus. But if we walk around with this prideful self-righteousness, God is obligated by his word to humble us. See, Jesus was very near to the sinner. When we're confident in our own self-righteousness, it puts a barrier between us. And here's a truth that I love. When we come together as the church... As the body of Christ, God's presence is here with us. And that's beautiful. But you want to know where else God's presence is? It's with the people that we don't really want to go spend time with right now. Because Jesus is there. And Jesus is reaching them. I would challenge you with this. That if you really want to see the power of God, get out there where a bunch of sinners are. And start treating them like Jesus would. Because Jesus is very near the brokenhearted. He came to rescue the sinner. He came to set the oppressed free. He came to heal the sick and to raise the dead. And when we get out of our little bubble of self-righteousness. And, not, and, and hear me. I'm not accusing you of this. I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit showed me. And if like me, the Holy Spirit brings conviction and says, Hey, there's some things that you need to get the plank out of your eye about then let's do that and let's trust that Jesus and his brilliance is leading us to the abundant life. And let's see Jesus use us to reach a lost world for his glory so that the people that I once would have distanced myself from, I'll be in a position to embrace as a brother and sister in Christ. That is God's heart for us. And when we refuse to do so, we're the Pharisee in every one of these stories. And it didn't go so well for them. I want it to go well for us. And so Jesus teaches us to focus on ourselves first. And I'm going to be honest with you. I work in youth ministry, and one of the most common complaints I get from teenagers, no joke, this isn't going to be a mystery, is nobody likes me. You ever heard that one from your kid? Have any of your kids ever come home and said, nobody at the youth group likes me? Just raise your hand real quick. You'll see you're in company. 
Yes. It is not true. I can actually explain it to you with science why they feel that way. It is a scientific thing. It's part of their brain development. Their emotions get weird. That's what's happening. Just push through it, people. Push through it. It is not as bad as they make it sound. Anyways, Jesus gives us one more example here that I want to show you guys. Oh, yeah, that's good. Can you guys see how full that is? This is how we correct the problem of being prideful in our own self-righteousness, okay? Is imagine this glass is full of my self-righteousness, right? These are the things that I'm doing to live and look like Jesus. All the water in this glass, this is how much I look like Jesus. And when I focus on it, on how I look following Jesus, I can do a pretty good job of not spilling the water. However, if I... (laughs) Give me that two by four. However... And I, I'm totally ripping this off another pastor. I can't remember his name or I tell you, but I saw him do this and I thought that is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. Dan, you look good. Uh, if I take my eyes off the cup and I'm just walking haphazardly and I'm not focused and stuff, then I'm going to start spilling my righteousness everywhere. It's just going to get kind of, wow, that got weird. Is that what I sound like out here? I'm going to stay up here. That was weird. If I'm not paying attention and I'm just casually walking, I don't think this water is going to damage the carpet. And I'm just walking. I'm not paying attention. I'm making a mess everywhere. And that's exactly what happens when we're trying to look at everyone else. And we're not focused on what we're doing and what Jesus is doing inside of us. We just kind of make a mess of everything. But if we came to church first... And said, I ain't judging any of my brothers and sisters. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to focus on me focusing on Jesus because I need Jesus. Because you know why? I did not love my neighbor like I love Jesus or like I love myself. I failed miserably in that today. I made fun of Pastor Randy once, so I failed. I didn't love, Je- or love my neighbor like I'm supposed to yesterday either. So I failed. But I could, if I wanted to, look up and look at all of you guys and go, well, you didn't do what I did, though. So I feel pretty good about myself. And then I just start getting sloppy. No, what Jesus wants us to do and what Jesus cautions us over and over again is, hey, you just focus on you. Because I'm the one that's going to change you. And if you haven't noticed, we can be really stubborn. And if we're that stubborn with Jesus... Why would we ever think that I'm going to convince you to change? I'm going to let God do what God does, and he can change you, and I'm going to just let Jesus keep changing me. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus said that when we successfully remove the plank from our own eye, notice this, when I finally get that thing out of there, Jesus says, now I'm in a position to go and help somebody remove the speck from their eye. Primarily because I can say, look at what God took out of my eye. He can take care of your little speck. I'm not going to try to get in there because I can't get it. But if I can get that out of there, now I've removed that barrier. And I can come straight up to, to my brother and I can just love him. And I can just be like, God, you see that? You see that little speck of dust? Get that speck of dust. Now I'm in a position to serve because I actually get close enough to him without being obnoxious to him. Because I'm not fixated on everyone else. I'm I'm focused on what Jesus is doing in my life. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. And church, if we'll commit to doing what Jesus asks us to do. And this is every one of us. Every one of us. And again, 
Jesus is brilliant. I would strongly urge you not to hear this and think, well, that was just some nice stuff Jesus said. Pastor Tim and Pastor Randy should work on that. But to really open your heart up to say, Holy Spirit, if there's anything in me, if there's anything in me that's obnoxious and preventing me from reaching out to those that need you most, then do what only you can do and change my heart. Open my eyes to see so that I can be your hands and I can be your feet and I can make the difference that you created me to make. Let's be that church. Let's be a church that seeks Christ and says, whatever needs to go, you can take it. You can have it all, but you've got to show it to me because unless you reveal it, I can't do anything about it. And God is faithful. That much we know. And so I repented for driving past that low-income housing and thinking the thoughts that I did. And instead, I prayed a quick prayer for them. And I prayed that God would send someone else to them. That's what I did. I'll be honest with you. Which means I'm probably going to have to go do something there. If you're here tonight and you feel a little bit of that conviction maybe by the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm, I'm just, listen, I love you guys. You're my church. This church is going somewhere good. God is doing amazing things. I believe in this church and I believe in where God is taking us. But if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit at all from this message, from the teachings of Jesus, then I want to encourage you, as I've done multiple times and will continue to do for the rest of my life, ask God to help you with it. But it's possible that some of you are here tonight and you're not the Pharisee. You're the tax collector. The one who doesn't feel like he's worthy to be here. Or that the best he can manage is to just beat his chest and beg for mercy. I want you to hear this. And if you're live streaming, I want you to hear this. Jesus is not distancing himself from you. And sometimes, sometimes in the church, we mess this up. Sometimes Christians mess this up. Instead of being like Christ and being very near you in your brokenness, we distance ourselves like the Pharisee did, and it's wrong, and Jesus would never do that. If you're here and you feel that way, Jesus isn't hiding from you. Jesus is very near you. And I'm going to pray for you tonight that you would experience the presence of Jesus, the life-changing presence of Jesus, that you would know that God loves you and that he's for you and that you're not separated. The Bible says that in Christ Jesus, we are all equal before God. We all are dependent on the grace and mercy of God, just like everyone else is. No one's special. If you're here tonight or you're watching through live stream and that's you and you feel distant, you feel like God can't be near you because of what's going on in your life, just know that Jesus is very near you. He's there right now, and if you cry out to him, he will rescue you. He will save you, and that's what I'm going to pray for. Would you guys bow your heads with me as we pray to finish up? Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for revealing your nature to us. You are a good God. You're a good father. You love us. You would do anything to rescue us, even send your son to die on a cross, to face death for us. You would do that to be able to rescue us and to redeem us and to justify us and to set us in the right relationship with you. There's no one that's too far away from you. There's no one that's so deep in sin that you can't rescue them out, Father. You are full of grace and mercy and compassion. And Father, we just lift high the name of Jesus because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess there's no sin greater than him. 
There's no darkness greater than Jesus. The word says that you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and you have brought us into the kingdom of your son whom you love, Father. That's who you are. And so I pray right now for every person here or watching through live stream that feels distant from you, God, that feels unworthy of you. Father, I pray that right now you would surround them with your presence. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to minister to them right now, Father, that they would feel your love and your warmth and that they would hear the truth that there is a new way of life. And it comes with repentance, just changing your mind, change the way you think to believe that Jesus is the Savior. And that through faith in him, you can find new life and forgiveness. Jesus wants to do that. He's here for you. He said, I came for the sinner. I came for the broken. I came for the hurting. That's who I'm here for. And Father, I pray for us, your followers. God, I pray that we would be like you. Father, that we would not be blind like the Pharisees that we would not become prideful in our own accomplishments, but Father, in humility, we would walk before you acknowledging your grace. And that Father, in doing so, you'd be able to position us right where the hurting are. That we could be the hands and the feet of Jesus to those who need him most. Help us, Father, to see ourselves the way that you see us. Help us to rely on you and to make our boast only in you, Father. You are the one that justifies and makes us righteous. Father, help us to love. Help us to love. Jesus said that your whole law, everything written in your word is fulfilled in two commandments, loving you with everything that we are and loving our neighbor as ourself. Father, help us to love. Tear down the walls, Father. Soften our hearts, God. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, Father. And help us to be that city on a hill, that lamp on a stand that others can see and know there's safety there, there's hope there, there's rescue there. God, help us to be that. Lead us by your spirit, Father. We can't do this without you. And I thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here tonight and you would like prayer, I believe we have. Do we have prayer people? Do they do that still? We're still out here? Yes. If you would like prayer, I'm going to be down here. I'm going to ask Pastor Randy to stay for a few minutes. If anyone would like prayer, we would love to pray with you guys. Uh, other than that, I just do I just dismiss them? We love you. We'll see you Sunday. You guys be blessed. It'll be a great day on Sunday. And if everybody here could just tell Shane, thanks for coming tonight, I would greatly appreciate it. You guys, we love you. Be blessed. We're so glad that you tuned in with us for service today, and we really hope that you are encouraged. We want to get connected with you every single day, so please be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you can subscribe to us on YouTube. And just a reminder, be sure to share this stream every time that you watch it. You don't know who you're going to reach. We'll see you next time.